0: You are tuned into My Scars Bible Study with Pastor Monica K. Harris. Bible studies are podcast bi-weekly. If you need to reach out to her, you can go to the website at www.myscarsministry.com. Follow her on Twitter at My Scars Ministry and go to the Facebook page, My Scars Ministry. Don't forget to subscribe to the My Scars Ministry Bible Study Podcast along with Scars Talk with Pastor Monica to receive notifications on all future broadcasting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning back in to um, My Scars Ministry Bible Studies. This is Pastor Monica. And we are finishing up our Bible study on spiritual warfare. And if you joined in a couple weeks ago, you'll understand that uh, spiritual warfare is real. However, we have the means to come back and fight and reclaim and take over our territory. I told you about a book written by Priscilla Shearer. It's called The Armor of God. And please, whatever you do with the spiritual warfare battle, go out and get her book on Bible study. It's called The Armor of God. And it gives you the necessary insight that you need to live a victorious life for God. And... Again, the study comes from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. And again, we have to remember that just as there are heavenly angels, there are hell's angels, and I'm not talking about the motorcycle club. I'm talking about real demonic forces that are governed and given instructions by Satan himself, so we have to learn how to stand up against those trials, those darts, that assignment that the enemy has given his minions, his imps, his workers for our lives. And so we're going to just um, jump right in. And again, remember, if you have your Bible, we're coming from Ephesians, Ephesians six. 10 through 20. And we've all gone through different things in our lives, and the manifestations of different things can be different in each of our lives. But we're going to talk about how you battle with the enemy and when. How you battle with the enemy and when. And I need you to know that. God has already objectively defeated Satan in his very agenda. He has delivered us from the penalty of sin. He has given us power. And ultimately, he will deliver us from the very presence of sin. But while that's going on, while we're still here on this earth, we're involved in a mean war, a warfare against demonic forces. And as believers, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We have all the rights, all the privileges, and the position that being a child of God entails. The spiritual battle that we fight involves a responsibility on our part to put on the spiritual protection and armor that God has provided for us. We can and we will resist the enemy's attempt to deceive us, accuse us, and cast out When we stand firm, first, we have to be honest with God about ourselves and about others. That is a prerequisite in this spiritual battle. Remember that. We have to be honest with God about ourselves and others. Next, we have to respond to the truth that God shows us about His will for our lives. We have to get out of self. We have to get out of selfish desires. But we have to seek God for His will for our lives. And we have to respond to that truth. It's righteous living. And then... We have to have a clear understanding of the Word of God. I said a clear understanding of the Word of God. And then we have to take every possible opportunity that is available to share it with others. Share it at home. Share it at work. Share it at the gym. Share it in the stores. Share it in the park. Share it in the gym. Share it wherever you are. And sometimes sharing it isn't always picking up a Bible and quoting scriptures. Sometimes... We share the word of God just by the way we live our lives, just by the way that we walk, just by the way that we talk, just by the way that we respond to others. Share it whenever possible. A great majority of all spiritual warfare never needs to go beyond the regular practice of living out our position in God, but by our faith. And what I'm talking about now is not necessarily the norm. See, our practice of Paul's metaphor, the spiritual armor, protects us from Satan's ongoing attempts to break our fellowship with Jesus. And as a result, it minimizes the impact of the enemy. So with that in mind, we have to always know that there are times when we have to move beyond standing firm and holding on to that position that we have. See, we've got to get dirty sometimes. You, you, sometimes you've got to get down in the trenches. Sometimes you have to get your hands dirty. You have to actually engage the enemy in combat. Yeah, there are times when you're going to have to stand up to that devil face to face. And it's not about holding your ground at that time. See, things begin to happen. And there are times when you don't even know what's going on in life. Things keep happening one after another after another, and you don't understand. But if you stop and think about it, you are an ace. Spiritual warfare. You may find yourself standing face to face with an assault by the enemy. And there are certain times when that happens. When you're taking big steps of faith regarding your spiritual growth. When God begins to elevate you to a higher level. It could be anything as simple as when you've just accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because many people think that when you accept Jesus, that all of your troubles are gone. No, honey. (laughs) That is so far-fetched. That is when the troubles begin. As soon as you say yes, there is a death sentence passed down. On your life, there is a bouncy hunter, a head hunter looking for you. And the higher your anointing, the higher the bouncy. And so when you're going through these things and you've memorized these scriptures, that's fine. But you've got to start getting into that Bible on a regular basis. You've got to read it. You've got to meditate on it. You've got to live it. You've got to do things that other people would think you're crazy for. So, when you're being elevated, know that's when you're going to be attacked. When you're spiritually growing, because the enemy wants to come in at that time and scare you. Another time that the enemy comes in is when you're invading his territory. When you're in evangelism or maybe you've gone on a missions trip or you're involved in something with your church and you're trying to reach out to other people and you're sharing the good news of God with your neighbors or your friends, he comes, he attacks. And then he attacks you when you're exposing him for who he really is. When you expose the devil for who he really is, everything seems to turn upside down. Demonic opposition in ways that you could not even believe. But just know that when you start it, you already know what's coming. Because when you disrobe him and you leave him naked and you expose him for who who he really is, you become a part of letting other people see demonic spirits for what's going on. And you're going to get hit. And then another time he attacks you is when you... Repent of something, or you're trying to be delivered from something, and then you make a a, a break, you escape the addictions of, of alcoholisms or smoking or sex even, or you've been in a relationship with someone that you're not married to, or maybe you've been having an affair with someone who is married, but as soon as you repent. And you break free from those addictions. All hell begins to break loose. But let me tell you something. We have got to get right with God. And when we get right with God, we become a threat to the enemy. And when we're a threat to the enemy we have spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare comes to derail you or stagnate you, to stop you from going on and doing what God has called you to do. Realize that when you walk away from sin and you walk away from things that are not of God, that the enemy is losing one of his own. And so when he's losing one of his own, he will fight. Another time is when God is preparing us either individually or together to do a great work for his glory. Say you're involved in ministry and you're trying to put together a conference or a revival. Hmm. One of the things that lets you know that God is up to something is when you receive a great spiritual attack, and you don't know why. So in the unseen world, they often know what things are happening more than we do. We get a lot of spiritual attacks. And when you get those, you should think to yourself, That something good is about to happen. That I must be worthy of something in the kingdom to get the darkness to pay this much attention to me. It's time to do some spiritual warfare. And there are times when these things are going to happen, so here's the question you can ask yourself. Once you're wearing your spiritual armor and you still find yourself bombarded with spiritual opposition, how do you engage the enemy and win the battle? Remember, I told you we're reading from the book of Ephesians 6. If you have it, you can pick it up and you can flow right along. We learned in verses 10 through 12, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We've learned the command to put on the full armor of God. Why did we learn that? Well, there's the struggle. And the struggle that we have is not against man or woman. It's not against flesh or blood it's not against your coworker. it's not against your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband your wife, it's not against your sister your brother, it's not against the people in your church but it is against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this dark world and then when having done everything else we are to stand And we are to stand firm. And then it says in verse 13, Take up this full armor of God, and having girded your loins with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Then at 16 it says, In addition to all, In addition to all, once you've done all of that, notice this. These things are not just holding your position, but once you've done all that, you pray. You pray for one another. You don't stop. Next three talks about what happens when the missiles begin to be fired and the attacks are coming. In addition to all of that, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish, put out all the flaming missiles that are being thrown at you from the evil one. And then you take that helmet, the helmet, Of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And look at these three pieces of armor because they have to do with when the missiles of the enemy are attacking you. Look at the first one how to engage the enemy and when. Take up the shield of of faith. Now, if we think back in this time, there were two types of shields. There was a small round shield, like the shields that you see in the movies that the gladiators have that they fight with. But this is not that kind of shield. The shield we're talking about was about four feet high and about two and a half feet wide and it was oblong and it had hooks on the end so you could hook them together and the Roman army would be in a long row and they would hook their shields I mean I'm sorry their shields together and they would move together and the shield was made out of iron it had wood And then it had one layer and then two layers of wood. And on top of it was linen. And on top of that was a leather cover. They left a little opening in the shield where there was just enough of an opening so that there was air. And they did this because the Roman armies would move forward and the enemies would take their um, arrows, okay, and they put them in uh, and they'd light them. And then they would fire them and shoot them. And what they would do is they would put up those shields. And so they would come in, and because of that gap, it was able to extinguish the flaming missiles. See, things just aren't put in the Bible just to be put in there. There's a reason. So I just explained the metaphor that Paul was talking about. So one one time in ancient Greek and Seneca, there was a soldier that came in with 200 arrows in his shield. 200 arrows that had been extinguished. So, with this picture being given to you, he went out there and he understood what it meant to take up the shield of faith. He took up his shield and by faith he went out there. And every arrow that was pointed towards him to kill him, he was able to conquer. The shield protected him. So what is the shield of faith and what does it mean to us? The definition of faith is our absolute confidence in God. It's our absolute confidence in his promises and his power and his will for our lives. Its purpose is to quench all the fiery missiles of the evil one. So the shield of faith is not saving faith, but this is faith in God. This is faith in God's promises that when something comes, whether it's a deception or an attack, and even though we may be scared to death, that shield of faith is claiming God's Promises and trusting God's character and applying God's truth and holding it up to deflect the lies, the darts, the arrows of the enemy, whether they be fear, condemnation, accusation, lies, trials, tribulations, whatever they may be. The fiery darts are missiles And the missiles are the schemes of the devil. They're the temptations of the devil, the lies, the attacks that are aimed at us, God's people, his chosen ones. Now listen, the goal of the darts are to get you to shift your focus from God onto something or someone else. The ultimate goal Is a shield of faith. The ultimate goal is a shield of faith. But those darts are thrown at you to get you to be afraid, to get you to feel guilty or condemned, to shift your faith and your dependency from God to someone. Or something else. Blasphemous thoughts can be a dart. And how so, you may ask. Have you ever been praying and you've just been sitting there and, or laying there or, or kneeling and just praying? And your thoughts shift to something totally ungodly. They shift totally somewhere else and, and you're like, "Where did that come from? That is a dart. It comes to take you away from your intimacy and your quiet time with god, your your prayer, your communication with God. We are human, and we are Christians and we pray and in this intimate time with God someone else may be saying how could you have any any type of derogatory thoughts while you're praying and when that happens you start thinking to yourself maybe I'm not saved and then you start feeling guilty and then you know what that's the enemy and he's coming in and he's giving you lies and deception. Another um, dart that can be thrown is hateful thoughts. Have you ever just had unreasonable thoughts of hatred towards another person? And you're sitting there and you're like, I can't stand this person, but you don't know why. But you're a Christian. You're supposed to love everyone. I mean, everyone. And then we start having doubts. We start having doubts like, I don't even know if I believe this whole thing, but the doubts that you're thinking to yourself you don't dare say out loud because if you did, what would they think? They would say, what, you think like that? But that thought is a dark. Another dart can be a burning desire to sin. And don't, don't sit here and say, I've never had that happen to me. <laughs> he who says that he does not sin is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We've all had a burning desire to sin. Yeah, it's happened to me, it's happened to you. Of course it has. You're in a situation, you know, A situation where you really, you know, everything about you wants to do what's right. But you want to do something that you know is absolutely wrong. For many of us, it may be sex and you're not married. You desire a human touch. You desire to feel that intimacy and you drift back to thoughts that you had before you had given your life to Christ and that desire is burning in you or maybe you know you've been around somebody for years that you've known it could be a friend a business partner and then you start thinking things about them. It might be a new relationship. And you sit there and you start saying, I wonder if this person is telling me the truth. I wonder if they've been honest with me all these years in this business, all these years in this relationship. And I mean, this thought comes out of the blue, out of nowhere. This person hasn't done anything to you. These are dark. Darts, unexplained, overwhelming times of depression. And I don't mean, you know, when you're, when you're down because someone has passed away or something detrimental has happened or there's, you know, difficult times going on. That's normal. And I don't mean, I don't mean when, you, you know, you have uh, something medically going on with you and everything isn't working like it's supposed to. Not when you've had lack of sleep and you know you need to get some sleep. None of those things. I mean, you get this overwhelming depression, and nothing has happened. But you're just you're just sad. You're in you're in you're in the pits. You feel like you're stuck. You're at the very bottom, and you don't want to come out, and you don't know why. Those are darts that are thrown at you from the enemy. It's how the enemy works. He wants to rule your thoughts. He wants to rule your soul. He wants to rule your mind. There are so, so many other reasons that I can give you or examples of darts that are being thrown at you. How does Satan work? When he attacks, what does he do? I'm going to ask that you go back and you study Genesis 3 and Matthew 4. If you really want to understand how the darts work, you have to read Genesis 3 and study it very carefully. Read it for yourself. Look at it carefully, the tactics that occurred when Adam and Eve were in the garden. And then go to Matthew 4 and study when, where, and how even Jesus himself was tempted. And from these passages, you'll see a classic method of the enemy. It all starts with a disguise. He's a master of deception. And it starts was a disguise, a counterfeit. You don't know where it comes from. Then doubt is cast on God and his word on you and your wordiness. When these attacks come, I don't think it matters because Satan doesn't even care. If he can get you to think that God is cruel and uncaring and that he's an unliving God and that he doesn't, an unloving God and that he doesn't love you, that's how he's going to get you. He's going to say things to you like you're worthless, you're terrible, you're never going to amount to anything you call yourself a mother. You call yourself a father. You can never do anything right. Nobody loves you. You call yourself a Christian. You think you're a real man after what you did. You think you're ever going to get married. Nobody wants you. As long as he can get you to start thinking accurately about God, about yourself, or others, that is when he begins to take you down the trail. It's a disguise. He starts casting doubt, and then he provides in the midst of all of that, right there at that very window of opportunity, an appealing, immediate alternative, rooted in the pride of life, Lust of your eyes, lust of your flesh, lust in the midst of the vulnerability, those lies and those darts, he sets it all together. It's all going according to his plan, and then he sets it right out for you. A fine man, a fine woman, a great business deal, money, power, fame, pride it's all a lie but he'll feed it to you right there when you're at the very bottom when he snatched you and he's created in you this mind to believe that you're worthless and that you could never be loved by God or anybody else it's a lie don't you believe it God loves you. John 2:15 and 16 is something that we need to read and we need to memorize because of every temptation. I believe that there is a scripture that will fall into one of these three categories. We're told in that passage Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, for those who love the world, the love of the Father isn't in them. And then, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world and all that is in the world is passing away. But he or she who does the will of God abides forever you need to know that missiles and darts and arrows are going to come. Sometimes they'll appeal to your flesh. Sometimes they'll appeal to your eyes or your ego. And those will be the ways that the enemy will come. But here's the application. Darts of doubt and deception must be immediately met, immediately met by the shield of faith. And you may be saying, well, what is she talking about? What does Pastor Monica mean? I don't understand. That means you are to do this. You're active present. Active application of the truth to your personal situation as soon as you recognize that a dart has been received. Again, you are to Check out your situation, the active, present, active application of the truth. Apply it to your personal situation as soon as you recognize a dart has been received. Oftentimes when this happens, we're not sure where it came from. But if we hold on to the shield of faith, as soon as it comes, we will take up a specific truth of Scripture and will hold up that chill of faith to deal directly with whatever that issue is that we're dealing with. Evil temptations that appeal to specific desires happen to show up when we're most vulnerable. And guess what? They are not accidental. They are his deceptive tactics. They work along with him and his evil entourage. They are specifically designed, timed, and personalized in hopes that you will fall prey to his demonic ploy and that you will miss out on experiencing an abundant life in Jesus Christ. The attacks of the enemy points us to strength, influence, and weakness. We need to prayerfully discern where the attacks are likely to come from. And we need to take the measures to defend ourselves in the power of God's strength. You have to do self-checks, self-examinations. Consider your areas of greatest strength and your greatest weaknesses. You keep a close eye on both of these areas and you safeguard yourself through prayer because these are the areas and the places where you likely can expect the enemy to target and his attacks will come against you. When you know where to look, you can see him coming a mile away. He's really not that clever. He's just cunning. We're fighting a spiritual war with an enemy whose primary tactic is deception. This enemy can be defeated through spiritual resources that God provides for us and these resources are activated and empowered through prayer. Prayer is simply an outpouring of your heart to God and then making room in your life to hear back from him in his word. And as he orchestrates your circumstances, God wants to have a conversation with you. He longs to hear what's really on your heart. He wants you to be open and honest with him. Your prayers need to be authentic and heartfelt. There is no need for $10 words and poetic justices. You just got to get down, get dirty, and be raw, frank, and real with God. I believe prayer works. Prayer has been more effective in my life than any human solutions. Time and time again, I've seen that lasting changes come only through prayer. And when we pray, we release it all into God's hands. And God accomplishes what we can't do in our own strength. I'm giving you excerpts from Sister Priscilla Shearer's book. She believes that prayer is absolutely crucial to knowing God, relating to Him, and experiencing His power and grace in our everyday life. Prayer is how we see heaven invade earth. It's what opens up the floodgates for God to come down and be involved in our everyday circumstances. And so whenever you're listening to this podcast, my prayer for you is that you will pick up that Bible and that you will study. You will look at Ephesians 6 and you will learn how to put on your armor to fight the spiritual battle that we are constantly engaged in. It doesn't end. It's a battle that we have to fight daily. We are at war daily. But God has not left us here to fight this war alone. Neither has he left us empty-handed. He has given us everything that we need to fight this battle and to win. But again, remember that once we win the battle, it's not over. Because the battle is constant. There's a constant battle as long as we live on this earth. We have to fight. We fight for our children. We fight for our marriages. We fight for our ministries. We fight for our homes, our jobs, our churches. We fight for one another because the enemy is always, always standing, ready to attack. He's always giving orders to his entourage and his demonic forces. But we have the power to win every battle. God has not left us alone. This is Pastor Monica K. Harris of MyScar's Ministry. And I thank God for you tuning in to this podcast and listening to How We Can Overcome Spiritual Warfare. If you need to reach out to me, you can find My Scars Ministry on Facebook. Go on there, like the page, get your daily dose of encouragement. Also, the website is www.myscarsministry.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn under Monica K. Harris. Follow us on Twitter at MyScars Ministry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast MyScars Ministry Bible Studies, as well as we have another podcast with our monthly talk show called Scars Talk with Pastor Monica. Don't forget to go on there and subscribe. If you have prayer requests or questions, you can inbox me on Facebook or you can leave them on the confidential form on the website. And again, that website is www.myscarsministry.com. You can submit prayer requests, testimonies, or any questions you may have, and I'll be happy to get back with you as soon as possible. And if I am not available, someone will get back with you as soon as possible. And so tonight we will end this Bible study in prayer as I thank you all once again for tuning in. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you have not left us alone. We thank you, Father, that you have given us what we need to fight and to win every spiritual attack from the enemy. We thank you, Father God, that you have given us an open opportunity to come and converse with you through prayer. That we don't have to wait for a specific time nor a specific person because Jesus paid it all for us on the cross. And so we thank you, Father God. And we ask you tonight, Father God, that you forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for everything in our lives, Father God, that is not like you. Cleanse us and renew us, mind, body, and soul, Father God, as we walk boldly into this life that you have called us to walk in. Father, we ask that you decrease us as you increase in us. Father, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And we pray for those, hallelujah, that are yet lost, Father God, that through somehow and some way they will see the light in the middle of all of their darkness. We pray for every lost soul that may be tuning into this podcast that something has been said that will touch them, that will make them want to change their lives for others that will make them want to change their life forever. That they will call you their God and recognize that Jesus Christ died on that cross for their sins and that all that is needed to be done is for them to say, I'm sorry and I repent of all of my sins. I'm tired of living my life like this. I'm tired of living my life for me. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of going in vicious circles. I'm just tired, Father God. And I know that somebody told me that somewhere you said that if I just call out unto you, that when I'm heavy burdened, you will give me rest. And so tonight, Father God, I cry out to you and I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sins and I ask you, Father God, to give me the rest that I so desperately need. Father, I accept you as the head of my life, and I want to change my life forever from this night forward. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for my sins so that I can live with you for an eternity. I'm sorry, Father God, and I I will not go back. I will not go back to the ways of the world. But tonight, I submit myself to you fully. I submit it all to you. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, please get connected with some Bible-believing saints. Not those that are just talking the talk, but those that are walking the walk. Someone that can hold your hand and help you along the way. Someone that can pray with you and for you. Someone that can mentor you, that can teach you, so that you can understand that this isn't an easy walk but it's a necessary walk and it's the best decision you could ever make in your lifetime God bless you all I thank you again for tuning in to my scars Bible study this is Pastor Monica Harris saying I love you and God bless you until we meet again